antitrust and healthcare um, intersect. And a large part of why healthcare and antitrust intersect, uh, the antitrust laws are meant to uh, preserve competition. But much of healthcare is local. Your hospitals are local. You can't, you know, you can't travel 500 miles to go to a cheaper hospital. Uh, your doctor is local. This is Tom Fox. In October, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco gave a keynote speech at the American Bar Association's 36th National Institute on White Collar Crime. Her remarks reframed a discussion about the uses of reason for and perceptions on independent monitors and monitorships. Monaco's remarks should be studied by every compliance professional as they portend a very large change in the way the Department of Justice will use monitors going forward. Over this five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, we will consider why Monaco's remarks herald a new era for monitorships. In other words, it is not your father's monitor. We will look at change in monitorships from the white-collar enforcement and defense perspective from Bethany Hengsbach. Mikhail Ryder-Gordon will look at the global aspects of new DOJ monitor focus. Christina Ravello will discuss how ethics and compliance assessments help drive more compliant companies. Jesse Kaplan brings his views on the twin topics of antitrust and healthcare compliance. And in part five, we conclude with Affiliated Monitors founder, Ben DeCiani, who looks at where monitors and monitor ships are going in 2022 and beyond. First, a word about our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors was the first company in the United States to focus on providing top quality, independent integrity monitoring and assessment services across a wide range of regulated industries and professions. What distinguishes AMI professionals from others is that monitoring is AMI's business. It is not a sideline to some other professional practice or service. AMI has been the corporate integrity monitor for more than 850 matters involving large multinational companies and individual practitioners. For more information, check out their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In this penultimate episode four, I visit with Jesse Kaplan, Managing Director at Affiliated Monitors. We take a look at the intersection of antitrust and healthcare compliance. This podcast series is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode of Not Your Father's Monitor. Today, I have with me Jesse Kaplan from Affiliated Monitors. Uh, Jesse, first of all, wel- welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Yeah, well, uh, it's nice to be back with you, Tom, and I'm looking forward to this. Jesse, as uh, you know, uh, we're focused on, uh, as a starting point, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco's speech back in October uh, around uh, part of the speech dealt with monitorships, and I really saw three key components of her remarks around monitors. And I wanted to use that as an introduction to ask you about your specialties of antitrust and healthcare. What I saw was number one, that monitors are not viewed by the department of justice as punitive and should not be viewed by the compliance community or wider corporate community as punitive Two, that the department sees monitors as a tool allowing the DOJ to extend their reach, um, to help companies fulfill 
their obligations in any settlement agreement, whatever form that might take, and also to, to frankly act as perhaps an early tripwire to prevent companies from sliding into a recidivist situation. And from my perspective, number three is that monitors bring a level of skill and talent around compliance programs and corporate culture that they can help companies create a best practices program so that the monitor actually works with the companies or company under um, the enforcement action to help them create a program that's going to be sustainable far down the road. So with that somewhat long-winded introduction, uh, how did you see the Monaco speech and how did the issues that you see in healthcare and antitrust really lend themselves to one or all of those approaches? Right. Well, uh, Tom, I think you hit the nail right on the head as to what uh, the key takeaways from the Lisa Monaco uh, speech and their important takeaways. And so let me first address kind of your first uh, observation uh, that, uh, you know, monitors should not be viewed as uh, punitive. Uh, And I'm going to I'm going to address that by telling you a little bit about why I became a monitor, uh, because I absolutely feel that that is the right uh, view and uh, and role uh, of a monitor. It's not to be punitive, uh, but to facilitate a successful uh, uh, compliance uh, compliance program, a successful settlement agreement uh, that uh, works for both the government and for the company, and they both are. Uh, or come out better at the end as a result. So, you know, I've been a lawyer, I've only been a monitor now for about three and a half years, but I've been a lawyer for over 30 years. And I have practiced both in the private sector representing companies, large companies, particularly in, in the healthcare space. Uh, I've also been uh, an enforcer uh, working for the Department of Justice, uh, as well as the Massachusetts Attorney General's Office in uh, investigating and in uh, times prosecuting uh, antitrust and other types of cases. And I've also been a regulator uh, where I uh, was a general counsel for the Massachusetts Executive Office of Health and Human Services, which oversaw, for instance, the Massachusetts Medicaid program and I think 12 different uh, health and human services agencies. So I come, so when I joined AMI, I came to it with what I felt was a really very uh, experience uh, and having uh, a, uh, a, a appreciation for what government enforcers are looking for, what the goals are government regulators are, but also uh, some of the uh, challenges and goals of companies uh, who, for the most part, you know, want uh, to be successful uh, and to do so in a compliant and fair manner. Uh, so, uh, so when I met with, for instance, Vin Diciani, who's the founder of Affiliated, uh, and some of the other principals about potentially joining Affiliated, it was very important to me as to what the philosophy of the firm was. Uh, and the philosophy of the firm was not that monitors should be punitive, that we don't play got you. Instead, the philosophy was that uh, we uh, take a, re- a, a remedial approach. Uh, with the idea that uh, that when a when a, a government agency and a company uh, agree to conditions and enter into a settlement agreement and agree to a monitor, that everyone is invested that that be successful at the end of the day. 
and, an, and a good monitor, an effective monitor, can help facilitate uh, that that settlement agreement is successful. We actually, to a large extent, we serve as a bridge between a government agency and the company being monitored. And that fit right uh, with my values uh, and my experiences to what makes uh, these types of things successful. Jesse, if I could turn now to uh, the types of monitorships that you have been involved with uh, at AMI. And I found it interesting kind of the breadth and scope of your monitorships, but it's frankly based upon the breadth and scope of your uh, professional practice and background, and that's both in healthcare and antitrust. And one of the things that has struck me in the antitrust world is that you can have a monitor for literally the biggest case there you can imagine, but you can also have a monitorship for specific issues and narrowly focused. And I was wondering if you could give a few thoughts about how you've seen a independent integrity monitor really help on what might be a narrow or even esoteric antitrust issue, uh, but you utilize properly by everyone involved, the regulators and both companies going forward. You know, as you mentioned, Tom, my area of practice or areas of practice include antitrust and healthcare, and it's and that's not by coincidence. Uh, antitrust and healthcare uh, really do um, intersect, and a large part of why healthcare and antitrust intersect is that uh, the antitrust laws are meant to uh, preserve competition, uh, and much of healthcare is local. Your hospitals. Are local. You can't, you know, you can't travel 500 miles to go to a cheaper hospital. Uh, your doctor is local, uh, so competition, and there is competition in healthcare. Competition between hospitals, competition between physicians. That is all local. And whenever you have local competition, uh, there is a greater uh, potential uh, for antitrust issues. Uh, that could be potential antitrust issues involving things like collusion. Uh, between uh, the local uh, participants in the healthcare industry, or it could be as a result of mergers and acquisitions. So whenever hospitals in a local market merge, there's going to be an antitrust or competitive impact. The question then is, is that competitive impact such that it will actually potentially reduce competition and then require the government to take action and then potentially impose uh, a monitor uh, if there are conditions imposed. So, uh, so in terms of the type of monitorships I've been involved in in the uh, antitrust field, particularly in the healthcare antitrust field, uh, they're really, uh, one area has been a focus on mergers and acquisitions uh, of, uh, of hospitals or vertically integrated where there might be uh, physicians along with hospitals, uh, where uh, the enforcement agency, whether it's federal or uh, state enforcement agencies like the Attorney General's office uh, feel that in order to allow a particular merger uh, to go forward, uh, there have to be conditions. And those conditions may actually require a divestiture, a divestiture of one of the assets uh, so that there uh, maintains competition uh, in that market. Uh, the other area are what we call conduct cases where there are allegations uh, that a, a participant in the market has market power or monopoly power, means they can unilaterally basically raise prices because there's a lack of competition. 
uh, and where enforcement agencies have brought uh, cases uh, and settled those uh, where there are conditions uh, to mitigate against that participant uh, using or abusing its monopoly or market power. And we've been brought in uh, to monitor that that market participant is uh, complying with, with those conditions with the ultimate goal by the regulators as well as the market participants that there maintains a robust competitive market. And just quickly, you know, what does it mean to have a competitive market and what are the, the benefits of a competitive market? The competitive market and the benefits are that you have a competition on price, so it lowers price. Uh, you have competition on quality, uh, so that you have the best quality. And you also have competition on innovation. Uh, where market participants will compete each other to come up with a new best way or better way to efficiently uh, offer services. Uh, so those are the kind of the monitoring uh, matters that I've been involved in uh, since I've been with affiliated monitors. Just let me now focus a little bit more on healthcare. One of my observations in interviewing you for podcasts and working with you over the years and your colleagues at affiliated monitors is that people in the healthcare profession, whether it's a regulator, whether it's a service provider, whether it's a legal resource, you're all passionate about healthcare and you're passionate about delivering healthcare and making sure that there's always healthcare available. And that you've been able to utilize the monitorship and monitor role to really help in that, if that, if I could say overriding mission for delivering of healthcare benefits literally to, to every person in the United States. So I was wondering if you could uh, really give us a few thoughts on why the monitorship role may be may work even more uniquely in the healthcare space when there has been uh, a violation other than anti-competitiveness. Yeah, so you raise a really good point, uh, Tom. Uh, for the vast majority of participants in the healthcare industry. Uh, yeah, their goal, their mission, their mission oriented, uh, and their goal is to deliver uh, quality, uh, cost-effective uh, healthcare and, and keep people healthy. Uh, the challenge in the healthcare industry though, is that uh, so much of the revenue uh, that comes to healthcare participants, the companies that, that provide services, so much of that revenue comes from either the federal or state government through the uh, through the Medicare system, through the Medicaid system, through other government-sponsored uh, healthcare programs. And as you know, whenever you are uh, getting uh, participating in government programs and getting your revenues from the government, state or federal, uh, there, uh, uh, there are really uh, important and, and strict rules you have to apply. Uh, and, uh, and you have to have a very strong uh, compliance program so that you don't get uh, tripped up, uh, even if you, even with the best of intentions, that you don't get tripped up and uh, be found liable for, uh, you know, a violation of the anti-kickback statute or STAR or or worse, the False Claims Act. Uh, so where do monitors uh, come in? Uh, so that when when we talk about monitors, there's really two things we do as monitors. There's the what I'll call the reactive, where uh, where a company enters into a settlement agreement, and then we're called upon to monitor that they're complying with that settlement agreement. But there's also something else that we're doing more and more, particularly in healthcare, and that is what we call proactive 
monitoring or doing proactive assessments of compliance programs. Uh, and this is particularly important in the, in the healthcare space that companies kick the tires on their compliance programs before they're being investigated or sometimes while they're being investigated, but before they have to enter into a settlement agreement uh, so that they uh, can uh, be in a stronger position to either one, uh, prevent a potential compliance violation that lands them in hot water, or two, if they are, if they have committed a compliance violation so that they can then convince the government agency uh, that the problem that they have, the compliance problem they have is not because they don't have a strong compliance program, but it's despite the fact they have a strong compliance program. And if they can convince the government regulator enforcement enforcer of that, then that, then they can get much more lenient treatment uh, when it comes to ultimately entering into a settlement agreement. And we do both of that. Uh, and we're doing more and more of that in the healthcare field. Jesse, you also work with um, regulators and regulatory agencies that are not in the federal government. And I specifically uh, point you to some state regulators. What are you seeing uh, in the evolution of thinking of state regulators around monitors? Yes. So, uh, so as, as I think you mentioned earlier, uh, so monitors can really be a resource extender for government agencies and particularly enforcement agencies. And some of the state attorney general's offices have realized this for quite a long time. And we've done a lot of work, for instance, with the Massachusetts attorney general's office, particularly with their Medicaid uh, fraud uh, control uh, division. Uh, but more and more state attorney generals are uh, seeing that uh, when they enter a settlement agreement with conditions, uh, rather than continue to uh, apply their own resources to make sure that that company is complying with the conditions, uh, they can uh, require that a monitor be appointed uh, to monitor, verify that the company is, uh, uh, is complying with those conditions. And we're seeing that more and more uh, in, in, in states across the country. Uh, and frankly, uh, you know, we hope to see more, not just because it may mean more business for us, but we really think that's a really uh, important tool uh, that uh, enforcement agencies, particularly ones at the state level who have less resources typically than the federal government, that they can take advantage of. Uh, and, and there's another point as well. And this is something that I found in my three plus years as a monitor. Uh, as a monitor, we are independent and we consider ourselves kind of an honest broker. As I mentioned, we can be a bridge between the company and the regulator. And what we find is we can actually facilitate, as I mentioned before, we can facilitate successful uh, uh, kind of operation and then termination of a monitorship. Uh, and we can do that because we can have candid conversations with both the company on a, uh, separately with the company and, the, and a candid conversation separately with the government so that we can better understand where there might be disconnect between the two. And then we can help uh, connect so that there's not misunderstandings uh, uh, or uh, different expectations that end up sometimes torpedoing a settlement agreement. To the contrary, uh, by having those conversations, by serving as that bridge, we can help prevent uh, problems uh, and have problems addressed so that 
ultimately the monitorship is successful. And I've, and I've, I've, I've seen that. I've been part of that process in many monitors in the three years that I've been with affiliated monitors. Well, Jesse, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I wanted to thank you for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thank you, Tom. Have a great holiday. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you'll join us in our next episode where Affiliated Monitors founder Vin Dinciani wraps the series up together and takes a look at where monitors and monitorships are going in 2022 and beyond. You can check out more on Affiliated Monitors by looking at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. This special podcast series, Not Your Father's Monitors, has been a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.